Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Build your dreams and live your sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and oh my gosh, we are going to have so much fun today because I have such incredible stuff to share with you. Did you know that my book came out? Oh my gosh, my book is officially a little bit over a month old. And what's crazy about that is I literally did not have time to record a show the entire first month that it came out because I was on book tour which was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I'm going to share all of the juicy details with you today. So let's rewind a tiny bit and let's get back to the basics. I am Laura Cheadle. I am a life choreographer. In case you're sitting there going, I've never listened to your show and I have no idea what a life choreographer is. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. A life choreographer is sort of like a life coach, but it's not a life coach. Yes, I coach you. I encourage you on figuring things out for yourself, but I'm a hypnotherapist. I have the ability to access the subconscious portion of your brain and to create and to facilitate deep and lasting change. And in addition to that, it is my belief that we are whole and complete beings. By that, I mean we have a mind and hypnotherapy helps us access the mind. But you know what? We also have bodies and movement and moving our body, and getting out of our heads and dropping into our bodies is incredibly important. Not only because it helps our bodies feel really deliciously good, but also because it helps us connect to the present moment. Because we're not just a walking around brain living in some thought pattern or belief. We're actually a human in our body and we're enjoying things like, oh, the way coffee smells and the way it feels to hold a baby or pet a dog or a cat. We enjoy things like the way food tastes. We enjoy looking at beautiful flowers. We enjoy hearing music or laughter or the sounds of water or the ocean. We are complete physical beings. And unless we bring our physical self on board, online, and get in touch with that physicality, one, why do we really care? Because why would we want to live a life devoid of all of that pleasure and joy? But two, we're never going to be able to create lasting change in our brains and in our emotions and in our spirituality 
because it would chop us up otherwise. We need to be all in. You know, it's such a buzzword to say, how are you showing up in your life? How are you showing up at work? How are you showing up with your family? Well, most of us, we show up from our headspace, and that's great. But we need to show up from our heart space, and we need to show up physically as well so we can truly be present, so we can truly be joyful, and not only for other people, but for ourselves. Because how many of us just get through the day going, check, check, okay, showed up here, checked, volunteered here, check, returned this call, check. That's not fun. And as you might know, if you've been listening to me for a while, I am all about fun and joy and really living and loving the life that you have worked so stinking hard to create. So I'll tell you a bit about my book and how that can help you. And then I will go talk a little bit more about my journey and about the journey about some of the women that I have worked with. Okay, my book just came out November 4th. It's called Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, spiritual self. And this book is a book primarily written for women, although men can benefit from it too. Written for women who are ready to let go of judgment, to put an end to trying so hard to please everybody else and be everything for everyone and worry about what their hair looks like and what their body looks like and what their clothing looks like and what their kids are doing, what their house looks like. All of those things, ready to let go of all that judgment and step into their own power, to own their brilliance and their sexiness, to own whoever it is they are inside. If you're anything like me, you've probably spent a lot of years pretending to be somebody else. And by that, I mean we show up to work and we put on our professional self and we don't say things and we don't do things and we act a certain way. Then we go to maybe our extended family's house and we act like somebody else. And then we show up at school maybe for our kids and we act like somebody else. Now, flaunt is not anti-PC. It's not being disgusting or vulgar. It's flaunting who you are. It's a how-to book for women who are really ready to learn how to bring all facets of their personality into everything that they do so they can be present and enjoy life to the fullest. So they're not constantly distracted and burdened with all of the things that they should do so they can actually, like I said earlier, live and enjoy and love their life. Now, not only live and love, enjoy their life, but live in and enjoy and love their bodies. Oh my goodness, there is so much body shame out there. Now, fat shaming and body shaming are two totally different things. And let me clarify that. Fat shaming is just that. It's saying if you have too much, whatever too much means, fat, you are slobby, you're lazy, you're not attractive, you're, it's shaming that fat status. And that's wrong. 
body shaming is shaming a woman's body. And it could be fat shaming. It could be skinny shaming. Yes, skinny shaming happens all the time too. Are you anorexic? Well, you look like you're on drugs. What's wrong with you? Skinny shaming is a thing. Okay, there's out of shape shaming. Hmm, You would look better with a little muscle tone. But guess what? There's also too good of shape shaming. Trust me on that. It is insane. Not that I'm in perfect shape anymore, but for a while, when I was teaching fitness classes all the time and dancing all the time, I was in amazing shape. And yes, I would get comments like, well, you can't be a very good mom if you're at the gym all the time. What? (laughs) What? Excuse me? I am a former corporate attorney. I got criticized and judged for my quote-unquote too good of shape body as a lawyer. What kind of a lawyer can you be because you have this amazing body? Oh, so you can't be smart and fit? So you can't be smart and sexy? The answer was a resounding no. If I was attractive, if I was in shape, if I was fit, people made assumptions that I must be the secretary. I must be dingy. I must be using my body to get ahead. How could somebody take me seriously if I had biceps? Because biceps and brains clearly don't go together. There's tall shaming. Tall women are shamed. There's short shaming. Short women are shamed. There's hair color shaming. There's crow's feet and wrinkle shaming. There's no thigh gap shaming. There's sunspot shaming. There's no shaming. One of my friends is a Sephora squad person. She was eyebrow shamed. Are you kidding me? I mean, eyebrow shamed to the nth degree in the form of probably a thousand online comments critiquing her eyebrows and saying they didn't like her makeup tutorial because of her eyebrows. My incredible, amazing speaking coach was recently online shamed horrifically. What did she do? She did two things. One, she's naturally skinny. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Now, to add insult to injury, she's skinny. She has got a daughter. Ooh, I know. And she had pictures of this gorgeous dress that had a black sheer panel from about her neck to maybe four inches above her belly button. So it showed a gap of what, maybe three inches from her collarbone to above her belly button. So it showed the skin between her boobs underneath a black sheer panel. Oh my gosh, she was shamed for that. Ridiculous. That is body shaming. It has nothing to do with anything other than shaming women for having bodies. Okay, my book talks a lot about that. Again, it's flaunt. It's let's flaunt our bodies. We're women, we have bodies. Flaunt your freaking body. I don't care if it's four feet tall or six feet tall, if it's 80 pounds or if it's 280 pounds, you deserve 
to flaunt your body. Now, let's talk about what flaunt means. Flaunt in the book is actually an acronym, but it's incredible because the word flaunt is what I'm talking about too. The acronym is for find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. But it's all about flaunting who you are, not who you think you should be, or who other people tell you that they think you should be. Flaunting is about being comfortable in your own skin, at your own size, at your own weight. It's about being comfortable in your body. It's not saying that you can never change your body. I want to be clear about that too, because sometimes people say, Laura, you're all about flaunt, but you get your hair colored and, and you get facials and you work out. So clearly you're trying and what you're saying isn't really valid. Urch, stop. Yes, it is. I am comfortable in my body and I choose to wear makeup because I like it. I don't think it defines me and I don't want to be told that I have to wear it and I don't want to be told that I can't wear it. Sometimes I color my hair, sometimes I don't. It is my choice. And I don't think anybody has any room to comment on my hair one way or the other. If I ask you, do you like it better with blonde highlights or with the brown lowlights? That's a, question, a valid question. Or if somebody might say, you know what, I really like it when you do this. I think it looks better. That's great. It's just not about judging what other people do. If you want Botox or fillers or eyelash extensions or anything, have at it. But I want you to do it for you because you enjoy it, because you like the way it makes you feel, whatever the reason, not because like you feel like you have to have it. So I hope that makes sense. And that's what flaunt is all about. It's about showing up comfortably as yourself in all situations. When I said it's not necessarily about being anti-PC or inappropriate, what I mean by that is if you are going into an elementary school, of course you're not going to be dropping the F-bomb. That's appropriate for the situation. It would be really silly to do it and to say, I cuss like a sailor. Great. Good for you. You can still be appropriate for the situation and you can still show up authentically as yourself. Same thing with work. When I was a lawyer, if I went to court, no, I'm not going to wear blue jeans and a cut-off t-shirt and funky leopard stilettos with like a bandana tied on my head. I'm not going to do that. That's not appropriate for the situation. I'm still going to show up as me in my full personality. I'm still going to allow my soul to sparkle and to shine through, and I'm going to be appropriate for the circumstance. And that's what Flaunt is all about. I'm just going to do the shout out. My friend, who is the Sephora Squad leader, Roxy Starr. She's beautiful. She is appropriate. She does the makeup tutorials. She wears the lashes. She does the contouring. She does all of that. Her jam on that is for being over 40 and doing the makeup. 
she does her eyebrows a certain way. You don't have to love them or hate them or have any opinion about them. Her tutorial was on eyeshadow, not on eyebrows, but people just jumped on and judged her. My incredible speaking coach, Alexia Vernon, she was promoting how to find your voice, how to step into your moxie, and how to speak comfortably. Part of speaking comfortably is owning your presence on stage and being comfortable in your body. So both of these women were doing something that was adjacent to the physical body, yet their bodies were judged. Think about, again, it doesn't matter your political persuasion. Think about the criticism of Hillary Clinton when she was running for president. People talked about her pantsuits. People talked about her hair. People talked about her physical body in ways that men's physical bodies are not talked about. For the most part. There are exceptions to every rule. It's not that a man has never had his body commented on. It's just that in our culture, in our world, people feel very free to comment on a woman's body or hair or clothing or makeup. And again, it's not just the commenting and making that relationship between what she looks like and what she is capable of. Story time. When I was a student attorney, my first case as a student attorney was very memorable. Now, it was the student, what are the, what are the, I'm backtracking here even more. As a student attorney, you have an advisor that is assigned to you, and you and your advisor handle the case together because it's teaching the student attorney how to handle a case. The advisor gives you the best practices. You represent low-income clients, so they get a fr- you know, free counsel, and you get experience in an actual courtroom with actual clients, but with somebody backing you and training you and teaching you. So that's the little parameters of my experience. The first case I had was a repossession, an automobile repossession. This is not earth-shattering stuff. It's a simple repossession. But as a student attorney, I wanted to make sure I did everything perfectly. So the night before the trial, even though my advisor and I had already gone through the case, even though we had our strategy, even though I knew everything, I went to the law library and I started researching just to be sure. And I kid you not, about midnight, I found this obscure case that set forth all of these different notice requirements that had not been met. By notice requirements, I mean notice requirements that the dealership had to tell, you know, the people who had bought the car before they repossessed the car. It was way back, way back before cell phones. So I went to the payphone, called my advisor up in the middle of the night, and it was like, I found this case. It's completely on point. What do I do? She said, write a memo, photocopy the case, and show up in court tomorrow morning with all of your information and go to bed. (laughs) So I did. I photocopied the information. I wrote up a little memo explaining why that case was applicable to the fact pattern. In my case, I went to bed for about two or three hours, and I showed up in court the next morning. Now, I bet you could imagine, as a student attorney, I really wanted to make a good impression. I had no money. (laughs) 
So I wore my one and only conservative navy blue business suit. I did beautiful conservative hair. It was the era of Seinfeld. For those of you who watch Seinfeld and Elaine, you know, she had the long permy hair and how sometimes she would do a long, low ponytail with a scrunchie. Oh, yes, that was me. Long permy hair, ponytail with a scrunchie. Conservative navy blue business suit, understated yet elegant makeup. I mean, I, I was going to make the best impression because I wanted to litigate. I wanted this to be my career. So long and the short, I give the memo to everybody. The judge reads it. Opposing counsel reads it. The judge says, do you have anything to say? The opposing counsel's like, nope. The judge bangs the gavel. Bang! Judgment in favor of you, Laura. You win the case. Your clients actually get to keep the car. The notice requirements weren't met. Ah, super exciting, right? I win my first case. I burst into a huge smile. I turn to my clients. They're like, we got to keep the car. You're amazing. I'm like, yay, thank you so much. I'll be following up with you. Have an amazing day. Goodbye. I turn and face the judge, and he is pointing his gavel at me, and he is not smiling. And I think, holy cow, what's going on here? He narrows his eyes, and he says, I want to see you in my chambers now. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, you should be congratulating. I'm expect me. I'm expecting him to tell me you've got this incredible future. I love seeing people come up who are like you. This is amazing. Oh no. He brings me into his chambers. My advisor goes with me because that's her job. And he starts berating me. I kid you not, up one side and down the other. He's telling me he didn't like the way I was smiling with my clients at the end there. What? that I was way too personable and that it's completely not appropriate to celebrate when we've won a case. What? He said he didn't like the way I showed up opposing counsel and made him look bad in court because he is a very well-respected attorney and he does this kind of work all the time. Oh, if he's a very well-respected male attorney and he does this kind of work all the time, do you think maybe he would have been aware of these notice requirements? No. Nothing about me for finding these requirements. Nothing about me for winning the case. Nothing about me for outlawing this guy. Oh, no, 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 no. It's just that I made him look bad and don't do that. Don't threaten the status quo, Laura. Don't be smarter than a man, Laura. Don't do any of that. Then he looked down at my legs and said, you know what? You're young and you're in shape. And maybe you'd be better off if you wore pants instead of skirts because it was hide those legs. Oh, <laughs> wow. Didn't see that one coming. And then he said about my hair, you know what? You've got long hair. I think you should wear it up, not back, but up. You would be taken much more seriously if you wore your hair up. Again, that kind of judgment does not happen with men. Nobody goes to a man and says, people are going to think you look stupid because your hair is gray. People are going to think you are stupid because your pants are or you're wearing whatever it is. That doesn't happen with men. 
And that's the kind of body shaming that I'm talking about. That's the kind of body shaming that I'm passionate about. It's not, it's not that fat shaming is good or skinny shaming is good or anything like that. The kind of body shaming that I'm talking about, though, is the shaming for having a woman's body. Whether it's fat, whether it's skinny, whether it's old, whether it's young, women are shamed for having bodies. Now, think about that in terms of, ooh, sex. Women cannot dress provocatively or they are judged as being stupid. They are judged as being easy. They are judged as being sleazy. They are judged as being not that smart. They are judged as being bad mothers. They are judged as provoking men to rape them. What were you wearing when the attack happened? We're getting better, but that doesn't matter. We have a lot of dress codes in our society. Dress codes often starting in elementary school, that are kind of based on being modest and being conservative and not distracting boys. My kids in high school, I've got two boys, they're older now, but in high school, one of the things was, and I'm not saying I like this fashion statement, the girls would have the thong that comes up above, you know, the low rise jeans and then the thong is high. So then you can kind of see the thong. The dress code was written that the girls can't show thongs because it distracts the boys. No, 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 no. Showing your underwear is is icky. Whether it's boys wearing the boxers and having their, you know, pants buckled around their thighs, or whether it's the girls showing the thong, showing no underwear is a great gender-neutral dress code. But saying girls can't show a thong because it'll distract the boys teaches girls and women that we are responsible for the behavior of others and we are never responsible for the behavior of others. Another dress code is spaghetti straps. Again, men don't really wear spaghetti straps. Is it the covering of the shoulder, or does it have to do with the sexuality of it, that women are being seen as too provocative? And what is the message that young girls are getting? That they have to cover their bodies to impact boys' behaviors, that they are responsible, not that boys are responsible. If it is true that spaghetti straps distracts boys, then what we need to do is work on the boys, We need to work with the boys and teach them how to look at female body parts and to stay focused, how to look at female body parts and not be triggered, how to look at a scantily clad female and judge her as a human with a heart and a soul, not as a piece of meat. The problem is not with the girls and the women. The problem there is with the men and the boys. Now, I'm going to give you a little story, and I hope this story triggers you just a little bit because it's important to be triggered so we can move into understanding our beliefs. As you know, if you've been been listening to me for a while, I'm a former corporate attorney. I'm smart. I was at the top of my class. I've got it going on. I'm fine. 
I'm in shape. I have danced my whole life. I teach fitness. I personal train. But I'm in shape. And that's okay too. And guess what else? I'm an ordained minister. I'm intuitive or psychic, whatever you want to call it. And I'm very spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. So I've got that smart piece. I've got the sexy piece. And I've got the spiritual piece. And most of the world doesn't think those three things can coexist. Okay, so we're going to go into the sexy piece because this is triggering. And I want it to be. I dance burlesque. For those of you who don't know what burlesque is, burlesque is not stripping. Let me repeat that about 200 times. Burlesque is not stripping. Burlesque is a parody. It's a mockery. Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream is a burlesque. A burlesque can be a book, a movie, an opera, a play, a work of art, or the vaudeville striptease burlesque routine. Often it involves the removing of clothing because nudity is taboo. In particular, sexy female nudity is taboo. Because burlesque pokes fun at the status quo, it uses the removal of some clothing, not all clothing. Burlesque is never about getting naked. But it will use the removal of clothing to prove that point, to push into the mockery of the fact that we are uptight about women's bodies. Now, to prove that point, think about this. Breastfeeding in public. Ooh, very controversial, right? What if somebody accidentally sees a female breast and she's nursing? Gross, icky. Don't do that here. I don't want to see that. Even though that's what boobs are for, and that's literally (laughs) their function on our body. But movies, TVs, shows, HBO, um, magazines, All of these things, the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, the Sports Illustrated cover, show them off. Yes, flaunt them. Get them out there. Less clothing. We're all for nudity in that situation. But when it comes to breastfeeding, people get squeamish. Okay, that's funny. (laughs) It just is flat out funny. And that's the kind of thing that we're burlesque would poke fun of. It's sh- We're all hypocritical. All humans are hypocritical. And burlesque takes that hypocritical stuff and it shows us how really funny it is because it is funny. So that's what burlesque is. And I'm a burlesque dancer and I love it. We can have an entire show on that. But I also, like I mentioned, have two boys who are now young men. Growing up, they would would not see me dance. That's not appropriate. However, they would see my costume pieces on the counter, on the table, as I was creating and crafting them. They would see costume pieces such as sparkly bras and sparkly thong-styled underwear and things like pasties, the glittery little nipple covers with tassels. They would see those things. 
They would see me creating skirts with release zippers. They would see me creating costume pieces with the intent of them being removed. And they knew what they were and they knew what I did. And guess what? It was normal and it was not a big deal. So when they hit puberty and they came of age and they started looking at girls, ask me how distracted they were if they caught sight of a thong or a bra. Eh, it's a thong. We see glittery thongs on the counter all the time. It's a bra. My mom had me bring her bra upstairs from the counter. It's not a big deal. It's a bra. They didn't care because they were used to seeing a strong, powerful female who was very nurturing and very maternal, but who also happened to be sexy and also happened to be their mother. And no, that's the appropriate piece that I'm talking about. I'm not sexual with my children. I'm not sexual around my children. But they saw that that was a facet of my personality and that dancing was part of what I did and they knew that I showed parts of my body on stage and that I was still smart and I was still nurturing and I was still a great wife and a great mom and all of that stuff. So it normalized that for them. As young men, they now see women as capable of being smart and sexy and spiritual and nurturing and all of that, and they're not phased by it. Whereas, sometimes they would have a friend come over and a bra or a thong or something like that would be on the counter and the friend would be like, oh my God, oh my God, and they couldn't handle it and they were completely freaked out. Well, what do you think happened to that kid the first time they got around another teenage girl and saw a spaghetti strap or the top of a thong or a shoulder? It completely freaked them out. And then they had all this judgment around, oh, she's an easy girl. Oh, she's a little... And my boys were always like, uh, no, <laughs> get over it. It doesn't mean anything. So I hope that triggered you a little bit. I really think it's important for us to move into our own taboos and our own triggers and to think them through. And if you have anything you want to say, please reach out. I'm totally open to that. Even if you want to reach out and say, I totally disagree, great. Let's have a conversation around that because it's not about changing each other's point of view, but it's about understanding. And I would love to understand somebody who is diametrically opposed to that. I'd love to have an understanding around that. And um, on the flip side, I would love you to understand my point of view on that. Anyway, that's like a whole long story around flaunt, drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, spiritual self and kind of how it came to be my mission. We're going to pause for a few seconds here, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about where you can buy my amazing book, because I know you want to buy it, because everybody on the planet truly should read this and start thinking about it, because just like that story I shared, it's going to provoke some thought, and then you'll start noticing that shaming that happens around there, and then you can start thinking about things in your own life and in your own situation. Of course, it's available on Amazon. What is not available on Amazon, right? On Amazon, you can get the paperback, 
You can get the audio version and you can also get the digital Kindle and Nook version, whatever that, whatever e-reader you have. You can get it on IndieBound, um, that website. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Books, Inc. You can get it at, oh my goodness, where else? I even saw it at Target and Walmart, believe it or not, targetandwalmart.com. Um, you can get it on my website if you want an, um, an autographed copy. Go to Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. And I will personally autograph it and send it to you. And you know what? If you have bought the book somewhere else and you think, but wait a minute, I want an autographed copy, you don't have to send me your book. I'm figuring out I need to order some like stickers and then I can autograph the sticker and then mail out the sticker and you can just stick it right inside your book. I think that would be amazing. I haven't figured that out completely yet, but you know what? That is coming. And speaking of my website, you totally need to go check out my website. It's not perfect, but I just got the shop put up on my website. And I have these incredible black t-shirts with rhinestones on them that say flaunt. And they have, it's, it's in the same font and it's got the same little swirly logo under it. So they're amazing. And then I have black ball caps with the amazing rhinestones on that. Um, I've got a flaunt yoga wrap bracelet with this charm. On one side, it says flaunt. On one side, it says live your sparkle. So you can be reminded to be who you are and to show up as you are and to not carry the judgments of other people with you, to quit limiting your behavior and being intimidated and worrying that you're not enough or that you're not good enough and just drop into being you. And that's what I really love about the charms, because when I wear that bracelet and I look down, I'll be like, oh, yeah, baby, I'm going to flaunt today. And it just helps remind you who you are and who you need to be. I also have amazing flaunt bookmarks. And what's so cool about the flaunt bookmarks is they're those metal shepherd's crook things, and they have a flamingo and the flaunt charm and a sparkle jewel. The bracelet also has a flamingo, by the way. But what's really cool about the bookmarks is they're the shorter shepherd's crook. So if you want to swizzle your hair up and stick them in, it can hold your hair up in a bun too, which is just an extra fun thing to do, you know, like the little chopsticky thing. And I have sparkle sticks, sparkle shimmer sticks, and I have AU bronzing bars for accept unconditionally bronzing bars. So super fun website. I am so excited with my merchandise. So you'll definitely want to check those out. Um, they make incredible holiday packages. Um, if you've got employees, you need, flat out need to give the book to your employees, to your sisters, to your mothers, to your friends, to anybody you know who really has that innate burning desire to create some sort of legacy, but finds themselves a little bit stuck Speaking of <laughs> finding yourself a little bit stuck, who here, darn it, you can't raise your hands, who here is a member of my Flaunt Flock on Facebook? I hope many of you are. It's an amazing virtual community of women and some powerful enlightened men too who just want to drop their cover and be who they are. 
And in the flop flop, people can say and ask questions and be who they are. There are so many things in life we think we're alone. We think, oh my gosh, I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one who, you know, whatever it is, like some of the hard things, are totally frustrated with my kids. I'm contemplating divorce. I'm not sure if I'm even in the right job or if I'm even happy in this life. Those big questions that keep us up at night when we're laying in bed going, I don't know, am I crazy? Those are the kinds of questions you can ask in the flop flock. Like, am I normal that I'm considering this? And it's amazing because suddenly other women will be like, you are not the only one who feels that way. I worry about that every day. I am whatever it is, a stay-at-home mom and can't stand my own kids, can't wait to get away. I mean, some real raw, vulnerable stuff, people say. And it's amazing because the connection. It's all about connection. And then we know we're not alone. We know that the way we feel is universal. And what is the lie is the belief that we're never supposed to feel that way. It is a lie that we're supposed to be gloriously happy every day in our marriage and never have our spouse bug us. It's a lie that our families are supposed to be the most nurturing, wonderful thing that ever happened and that we're never irritated beyond reason with extended family members. It is a lie that every day we're supposed to be the perfect, happy, patient parent who just, fine, use me and abuse me, it's all good. Same thing with our careers and our professional lives. Nobody really has that kind of job that we read about. Life is hard. Bosses come and go. Employees come and go. Companies transition. And it's this myth that we're supposed to live in a fairy tale. And oh my goodness, people, we don't live in a fairy tale. And it's that belief that we're supposed to that makes us feel unworthy all the time because we think, well, my life's not a fairy tale. Something's wrong with me. No, 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 no. Nothing is wrong with you. The only thing that's wrong is the belief. We don't live in a fairy tale. We're not supposed to live in a fairy tale. Life is hard. There's hard days. We need to learn how to manage it. That's all we need to do is to learn how to to manage it. I started off talking about flaunting and body shame. How do we manage that body shame? It's not that we break free from the patriarchy. The patriarchy is here. Hopefully it's falling. Hopefully it's shifting. That can't be done overnight. Change is long term, people. What matters right now is what are your tools? What are your tricks? What are your tips for dealing with it now? Because guess what? It's going to happen. You will be body shamed. You will be judged for the way you look. You will be judged for what you wear. You will be judged for what you say and how you say it. You will be called an emotional, irrational female. You will be called, you know, uh, the B word. Um, you will be told you have a chip on your shoulder. You will be judged what matters is how do you deal with it and how do you feel inside when that happens and what can you do to let all that judgment fall off so you truly know what's up. Judgment doesn't really say anything about you, but it says everything about the person judging you. 
it doesn't mean that you won't feel emotion around it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to want to cry. It doesn't mean that you won't be horrified. But it doesn't mean anything about your worth. If you've been with me a while, you know my term is naked self-worth. And flaunt is about developing and owning that naked self-worth. And naked self-worth is your ability to know that who you are, exclusive of your labels, your roles, your scripts, exclusive of what you do for other people or how you look. Your naked self-worth is who you are with nothing else on you. And who you are is absolutely worthy and valuable and amazing. Now, to step into that naked self-worth and to truly know that who you are is right and good and perfect, it's kind of hard. You have to start identifying what is the nature of your essence. What is your soul? Who are you? When I here, Here's a little story around that. Like I said, I'm a former corporate attorney. I was Laura Cheadle Esquire. So when you're at a networking function or you're meeting people, it's, this is Laura Cheadle. She's my attorney. This is Laura Cheadle Esquire. This is Laura Cheadle. And people automatically grant you some deference and they give you some status. Oh, you are the company attorney. Oh, you are an Esquire. And they give you the status. Guess what happened when I quit work? I was staying home with two kids, and I'm no longer showing up as Laura Cheadle Esquire. I'm showing up as their mom, or I'm showing up at his, as his wife. The difference in the way people tra- treated me was tremendous. And it was kind of horrifying because I lost my whole identity I thought I was important because of me, but oh, no, 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 no. I was important because I had an Esquire attached to my name. And it was such a shift to be their mom and his wife and to be like, oh, wow. And suddenly, I'm lower than low. Suddenly, nobody wants to seek my opinion. Suddenly, people are treating me with zero respect. Or they're actually shaming me. Well, what is it that you do all day? So, you don't mind being supported by your husband? Whoa, 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 whoa. It was huge, and it was really hard on my ego. So, that's what naked self-worth is. It's finding your own worth inside your own heart and head, exclusive of the initials behind your name, exclusive of the way other people treat you. And exclusive of what you look like. How many of you have looked in the mirror and had a skinny day and zipped up into some, you know, small pants or whatever, had some great hair, amazing makeup, and felt better than when you can't get the zipper up because you've put on weight and you look in the mirror and nothing is fitting and you're sloppy and icky and your bangs have been cut way too short and your makeup colors are all wrong. You feel really good in one instance and you feel not so good in the other instance. And yes, it's rational and yes, it's logical. But naked self-worth is about owning your power and your beauty and your worth no matter how you look. Because really, you should be able to stand up in front of a room looking the best you've ever looked and show up fully looking the worst that you've ever looked. 
Because your self-worth is that thing inside of you that you are bringing out. And when you find that self-worth and that value, then when other people start judging you, it's okay. You truly can go, ouch, and you might feel sad, but very quickly thereafter, you realize, you know what? That actually says a lot about them. Wow, that they can't see my brains behind the short skirt or that they can't see my spirituality behind my intellect or that they can't see whatever it is beneath this fat or despite my boniness. That's their problem. It's not your problem. And the goal of having naked self-worth is to just step fully into who you are and to roll with all of the stuff that happens to you in life. Because like I said, life is hard and we don't live in a fairy tale. So how do we manage all of these things that happen? And that is what my book is about. And better yet, (laughs) it's almost January. Once a year, once a year only, I do a three-month 90 days group coaching program called Find Your Sparkle. And through January, it starts on January 6th, January, February, and March. Once a week, I give you one hour of group coaching. And it's all done virtually, so you can live anywhere. You can participate live or you can watch at your convenience. It's Monday nights, 7 o'clock Mountain is the live call every Monday night for three months. Then during the week, I give the entire group a one hour of coaching and Q&A via Marco Polo, which is an app that you can just download on your phone. And then once or twice a week, you get an email assignment with some reading and some homework. Now, the first month is recognize and release. It's recognizing and releasing all of those labels and rules and scripts, everything that people have labeled you that you think, that's not really me. It's recognizing and releasing all of those pieces of your identity in your life that you might be done with, but you're not sure how to shed because you still have a job and a family and all of this stuff. It's recognizing and releasing all the things that are you and all the things that are not you. So you can get really solid in who am I and what am I all about and what are my values. The second month is about revealing. Once we've recognized and released, it's time to reveal that glorious, beautiful, sparkly goddess inside. And you know what? Most of us have never stopped and asked ourselves, what do I want in life? Most of us just say, I don't have time to take care of me. I'm busy. It's revealing who you are. It's learning how to express yourself and to show yourself and to ask for what you want and to figure out what your needs are and how to get them met. It's amazing. Lots of tears in this phase. And then month three is about re-choreographing. Re-choreographing your life takes all of the pieces of your existing life and it choreographs them. We move them around. We arrange them into this beautiful, cohesive dance. And what's amazing about that is it's re-choreographing. I'm not saying walk out on your marriage, cut out your family, get rid of your kids, sell your house, and move to Mexico. It's these are the pieces of my life that I choose to keep. How do I do that? How do I work full-time, and how do I have a fulfilling marriage, and how do I find love, and how do I take care of my family? It's re-choreographing. 
It's taking what is and structuring them in the most beautiful, juicy, delicious way possible. And that's what we do during those three months. It is truly a life-changing process that is going to set you on the journey for the rest of your life. Yes, it's an investment. But what's amazing about that, it is a high three-figure investment, but this is the last year that it's in the three figures. Next year, it jumps way into the four figures. So this literally is your last year to invest in yourself. Now, some people say, I don't know, I'm really busy, I've got a lot going on. My response to that is, who isn't? When is going to be the perfect time when you're in an assisted living home? and you're in your 80s, is that going to be the best time for you? There is no perfect time for anything ever. There's no perfect time to have a flat tire or to have a car break down or to have a baby. The point is, if you want to change now, now is the time to do it. Not later, because later keeps being later and then keeps being later and then keeps being later. So if there is any hint of you thinking, you know what? I want to create a legacy. I want to live my life now. I want to be present and happy in my body, and I don't want to worry about other stuff. I'm done. Then I would encourage you to hop on a call with me. Check out my website, lauracheadle.com, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. There's a section under work with me and it says group coaching. You can find out all the information there. The card closes, I want to say December 18th. So if you, a perfect Christmas present, present for yourself, or you can even ask somebody else for it, or you can have some people come together. Perfect Christmas present. But the cart does close before Christmas because I need to get everybody moving. So if you're interested, go to my website and check it out. If you think, oh, this might not be the year, but you still want to check it out, check it out. There is next year. But how are you going to feel in March knowing that these other people have actually got themselves set up for the rest of the year and you're going, yeah, I'm still waiting around for next January? How do you know if you need coaching? Here's how. If you've ever set a New Year's resolution that you didn't 100% keep, then you need coaching. You need accountability. You need a life choreographer. You need a mentor. You need a program. You need structure. You need tools. You need somebody who's been there before to tell you how to do it and what steps to take to get you there. All the information online, like There's so much there. We could literally learn how to do anything, brain surgery. We could practically learn how to do brain surgery online. It's all there. But really, without somebody walking you through it and telling you how to apply it and saying, no, 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 this is a little bit different in this circumstance. And over here, we need to do this. Unless you have that teacher or that guide or that mentor, it doesn't tend to work that well. So, lauracheadle.com. I also have a link there if you have questions and you're thinking, I don't know if it's for me. Let's get together. We can hop on a call. I love the Zoom calls. I do them for 30 minutes. It's totally free. And we can find out if the program is a good fit for you or not. Read the book. Flaunt, drop your cover, reveal your smart, sexy, spiritual self. Available wherever books are sold. Um, but if you want it autographed, go to my website and read that, flip through it. If it speaks to you, you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm in for the 90-day program. Find the 90-day program, lauracheadle.com. Work with me 90 days. Thank you so much for being here, for letting me rant about body shame. I challenge you 
as you're moving into your life the rest of this week, notice the times when people around you are shaming a woman's body. Notice the time somebody shames you or places that judgment on you. Like, if you eat this, you must be. If you say that, you must be. If you do that, notice all of those judgments and notice how it feels in your body. And if you're ready to let go of some of those judgments and step into your power and sparkle like you have never been able to sparkle before, then reach out. I cannot wait to talk to you. Thank you so incredibly much for sharing this last hour with me. I love you all tremendously. Hope to see you on the Flaunt Flock or in my 90-day program or just on email because I have an amazing email list with tons of fun, flaunty, sparkly things out there. So I love you. Have an amazing week. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at LauraCheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. Come